Wonderful to be here this morning. This pulpit's getting smaller all the time. How many remember days long ago when we had the great big one? And then it disappeared, and we found one that had kind of a tradition to it and brought that out. It was repainted and looked so good, and now we've got this one. Hmm. I uh, sang at a quartet during Bible college, and would you believe that in one of our large churches in Montreal, we stepped into the pulpit to sing. It was so large, the entire quartet could stand inside of it. I've been in all kinds of pulpits. I preached in a Lutheran church one time, and it was up a number of steps, and I thought if I step back one step, I'm gone. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Part of my preparation and prayer has been that this day would be a day of celebration, a day of rejoicing in the Lord at all that he has done for us. That's what I been praying. And so far, Tim, thank you for your contribution. It has been that way, and it's been good. We've been singing and rejoicing in the Lord, and I kind of sneak a peek around and see people worshiping God together. That's great. Praise the Lord. Amen. I bring this out and put it here where I'll have it ready. I was asked to come back to Stratford where we pastored a number of years and uh, uh, of all things I was asked to sing and my wife was asked to speak <laughs> she got up to the pulpit and she took her watch off and put it on the pulpit she says my husband does this all the time but it doesn't make any difference <laughs> well anyway Lord, we look to you today and we thank you for your awesome presence that we have already felt. Holy Spirit, this is a special invitation to you to move in our hearts and touch our lives, to refresh us, to encourage us, to motivate us, and make us go forward in your name victorious. Lord, have your way in this, your servant, with these, your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that was great there, uh, Brother Gordon, when you brought that shofar and uh, gave him an introduction. You took pretty much all my introduction that I have here. So that's fine. <laughs> Pentecost means 50. And uh, a lot of our churches have dropped the name, not because we're not Pentecostal. We're still part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada but because of the confusion as to what the name means. It was 50 days after the Sabbath, and it was a time of harvest. It's when they brought in the wheat, and they would bring the sheaves and wave them, where the priests would do this before the Lord. It was like bringing a tithe of the harvest that would be brought in. It was a great time of, of, of festival and, and just a wonderful time of greeting one another. Marvelous. But for us, it was the introduction of a whole new era. For in the past, you have stories over and over again through the word where the Pentecostal blessing came down upon people. The prophets spoke with the anointing of the Spirit upon them. 
but we have the privilege of the Spirit dwelling within. That's something totally different. Marvelous. I was saved on October the 29th, 1949. It's a long time ago. Shortly after that, I was baptized in water. And that was a, an experience. After that, a uh, number of months, we had another evangelist come along. And that evangelist talked about the Holy Spirit. We ended up with a bunch of us young fellows sitting in that front row of the lower auditorium as he walked back and forth and explained to us all about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what it means to speak in tongues. This was all just relatively new to us. And so there I was, I was sitting with the others, and he came and put his hands upon me, and that heavenly language came bursting out from my lungs, and I began to praise the Lord in tongues. It wasn't too long as we were into it that he came back to me again and he said to me, you know, your buddy here, that was Alan Hornby, he's one of our pastors, has gone to be with the Lord now, was sitting beside me and he said, now he's having a bit of trouble, why don't you help him out? And he took my arm and put my arm around his shoulders and immediately Alan began to speak in other tongues. Now, how do you progress from something like that? I had the idea, well, there's a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I've now been saved. I've been baptized in water, and I have spoken in tongues. That, that's, that's marvelous. I got the whole package. That's it. And then there was a number of years went by. I didn't miss church. A unique thing in our church in St. Catharines was that, you know, who took up the offering? Four young fellows all dressed in black trousers and white shirts every Sunday. I was there every Sunday. But you know, for those four years or so, it was a dry period in my life. What a time. They're in church, but missing something. Now, our custom in Elam Tabernacle was to go down to the prayer room after the night service. And so we faithfully, like all the others, would go down to the prayer room, and I would kneel in front of a chair, and I would pray, kind of this, a prayer where one eye is just a little open because I had to watch and see, this, where's Leroy Baltus and where's Donnie Baltus and, and Alan Hornby and Leonard Cotillo, all these, these guys that were part of our group. They've gone up already. And, oh, hey, they're up there talking to the girls. I got to get into action. And so I would get up and leave the prayer room. One Sunday night... Brother Jack Kennedy came. Now, I, he asked me a question. He said to me, I'll never forget this. He said, Herb, do you still speak in tongues? Now, I, I, I could pull the wool over most eyes, but not Jack. He was, he, he was so kind to me. He took me fishing. He was very special. And all week long, those words kept echoing in my head. And the next Sunday night when we went down to the prayer room, it didn't matter where Leonard and Leroy and Donnie and the others were. I wanted to meet with the Lord, and I stayed. And all heaven came down, and the Holy Spirit moved in a marvelous way and touched my life, and I got a refilling like you would never believe. The Holy Spirit is faithful. That's my testimony. The question in our minds today is, who is the Holy Spirit? 
you go back far enough in Pentecost, even farther than I could go. There used to be an old chorus that said, they, they sang with enthusiasm, it's all over me and it's keeping me alive. Wow. That was very high in enthusiasm, but rock bottom in doctrinal truth. This moving of the Spirit is not something mystical. It's not a, a mantra that we would mumble. It's, 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 it's not a formula that we would give before a miracle is performed. The Holy Spirit is a person. In John chapter 14 and verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Wow. I began to look at that, and I found, well, we've got one word in English for another, and we've got two words in Hebrew, or Greek, rather. So what is being really said here? Well, one word is heteros. And the other word is alos. And the word alos is used here. Maybe I could il illustrate it this way. Suppose I went to the hardware store and I looked over the supply and I thought, boy, there's something I could use, a real nice pocket knife. So I look it over. Boy, that's a dandy. Do you know there are 11 different instruments in there? There's a pair of scissors. There's a blade. There's two saws. There's another thing. I have no idea what it does. And uh, oh, oh, also there's a corkscrew there for opening wine bottles. It's never been used. I thought I'd make that clear. There's also a, a bottle opener for the old-time bottles that had the metal caps and all of this. And boy, it looks like a dandy. And so I begin, let's say I begin using it, and I, I'm carving away, and I find it doesn't cut as good. I sharpen it up, but it doesn't keep a sharp blade. This, this, is, this is no good. I use it for something else, and let's, let's suppose the blade breaks right off. Now it's absolutely no good. So I go back to the hardware store, and I hold up this broken knife, and I say to him, I need another knife. One word in English, but in the Greek I am saying, heteros, I want another knife. I don't want another one like this one. Okay, the clerk says, and he goes, oh, takes me over to the counter, and I look over the supply, and lo and behold, I find myself another knife. Well, I take that one home. Well, it's just got a blade. It doesn't have all the fancy stuff, but it works a lot better. I'm carving away, and one week later, I'm enjoying it so much, I think, boy, I, I think probably my friend Terry would really like to have something like that. So I go back to the store again. I find the same clerk, and I go to him, and I say, do you know, I want another knife. Same English word, but this time, if I was speaking Greek, I would use the word alos. And what I would be saying is, I want another knife, not like the last one, but I want another knife just like this for my friend. That's the word that is used here in the Scripture. Jesus said that he would pray to the Father, and the, and the Lord God would give another comforter just like Jesus. Boy, that, that's 
To me, that's very comforting. One just like the Lord, who is our counsel. That's NIV. Our comforter. That's King James. Helper. A whole number of translations, including the the uh, ESV. And also an advocate, which I found in Lexham's Bible. All from the same Greek word. This is what is being sent to us. Not someone different than Jesus, but someone just like Jesus, who is the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate. The Greek word there is paraclete. And paraclete simply means someone called alongside. Isn't that just like the Lord? Isn't that just like the Holy Spirit who comes and blesses us and strengthens us and helps us when we are, are troubled? He comes and wraps his arms around us and he makes us uh, his, his blessed individual as he comforts us. Or if we have some questions in our mind and we don't know which direction to go, he comes as counselor and he will lead us and we'll get to that in just a moment. Or we just are in a situation where, Lord, I can't do this alone. And the Holy Spirit comes and helps us through. Or, like Jesus, he comes as the advocate, the lawyer. When the enemy comes in and says, oh, this person is guilty of that. And have you ever noticed how Satan likes to bring up the past? It's constantly pounding it into your head. You failed at that time. You really disappointed the Lord. You really messed up. And the Lord says, I don't know what you're talking about because it's all forgiven. It's all been taken care of. And so our advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, and with us through the Holy Spirit says, he's not guilty. The prime has been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we have been set free. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Pentecost is not a mystical thing. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, the sound of a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, two weeks ago, we found out what a sound of a rushing mighty wind is, didn't we? Can you imagine being in prayer and suddenly there's all this noise and you don't know what's going on? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Marvelous what the Lord has done for us. The tongues of fire and the heavenly language. So who is the Holy Spirit? There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Jehovah's Witnesses would tell you that what we have is a big God, a medium-sized God, and a little God. That's not true. They are three personalities in one person, in perfect harmony working together for the salvation of our souls. 
loving us with a supernatural divine love that will keep us and bring us constantly back to him. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The next thing that came to my mind as I was thinking about this day is what does he do? The first thing that came to my mind is that he empowers us. We sing an old hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. We sing choruses, I need you more, more than yesterday. There was even an, uh, a southern gospel quartet number says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. We need the Lord. We need something extra in our lives. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. In Ephesians, Paul said, be filled with the, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I looked up that word fill. What does that mean? Does that mean that when we're seeking the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that supernaturally he takes the top of our head off and pours in like oil and fills us up? That's not what it means at all. You go into the Greek wording and you find out that what the scripture is saying in that particular portion is that when you are filled with the Spirit, it means coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. We had a neighbor come over one time to talk to us. I was laying some blocks around that little garden that we had and, and uh, get toward the walls a little hard to get in because of the neighbor's bushes right there. Uh, he helped. He put them in. And then after he's standing there and he's talking to us, and he's kind of wavering back and forth. It wasn't long. He just wavered a little too much. And he went right down, smack right on the ground. He was under the influence of some alcoholic drink. And what Paul is saying, come under the influence of the right source of power. Not a substitute power, but the right source of power, which is the Holy Spirit. Come under the control of the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are saying, Lord, here I am, an empty vessel. Come and fill me. Bring me under control of your spirit so that I would do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. But I would walk as you would have me to walk, not as I want to walk. But I, my goals would be your goals and not mine. I would take the back seat and Lord you take the front seat someone saw, I, I remember seeing a sign on the back of a car and it said God is my co-pilot I, I think it'd be better if you switch places God became the pilot and you were the co-pilot and he has first place that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word power, strong in his dictionary, suggests that that word means a force. That word means a miraculous power. Thayer has also written a dictionary that explains to us these Greek words. I like what he says. 
He says that word means strength, ability, and inherent power. Power within. Not something magical, something outside, but the Spirit of God that dwells within begins to move in your life and motivate you and empower you to get the task done that, that you have to do. Praise the Lord. And sometimes we don't always succeed in our, our witnessing. I was uh, called and I, uh, to the next town. There was a lady and she wanted to talk to me. So I went and uh, she said, you know, I, I've studied very carefully. I've looked at all the religions. And she says, I've got to make a decision which way I'm going to go whether it would be Pentecost or whether it be Jehovah's Witnesses. I used scriptures that came to my mind. I did everything I possibly could. I felt the presence of the Lord, and I witnessed to her, and when I left, she was still in confusion. She did not make a decision for Christ. And I drove back, I think it was to Port Colburn at the time where we pastored, and I was thinking about this and said, Lord, I failed. I didn't get through to her. And I heard the voice of the Lord, not here, but here. And it doesn't happen all the time, but once in a while, very distinctly and clearly, I heard that voice say, oh, but you stood up for me. And the presence of the Lord became so real in that car. Tears flooded my eyes. I couldn't see where I was going. I had to pull off the road for a while and worship and praise the Lord. I'm sure those going by, then there's another drunken driver. But I was enjoying the blessing of the Lord because though I thought I had failed, I had not failed. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that can work in your life. Oh, bless the Lord. Did you notice that it says in the book of Acts that they were all together in the NIV, but in the King James says they were all with one accord? Do you know what happens to a congregation when we forget all of our differences? When we put away some disappointments? When we forget things that hurt us in the past and we determine that this is a brother and a sister in the Lord, they're part of the family of God, we are going to come together in a beautiful, blessed unity? Do you know what can happen? Things can sure change because that's the unleashing of the power of God. Marvelous. All together, all in one accord. They are explaining that. He says, here's a good three-point sermon. One accord, one mind, and one passion. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. You see, they tarried for 10 days. I think the Lord had that all planned out. That they would be in that upper room together and they would have to pray together with someone that maybe they really didn't like that much. Or maybe there was some difference or there had been a disagreement the past week. Man, I, I've, I, I saw two ladies that were sister-in-laws to each other. They married brothers. 
and they were just angry with one another over something. I went to visit one of them. I just took it all to the Lord in prayer. The next Sunday night, the Spirit of God moved in in such a way I couldn't believe it. There they were, the two of them, dancing in the Spirit together. That's what happens when we come together in unity. What a, what a difference it makes. It changes your life. The power of the Holy Spirit. I think of that day of Pentecost and I take a look at Peter. Peter was a delightful guy. Um, he could say such marvelous things as thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus would say, flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father in heaven. In other words, he's saying, this is a miracle that what you've received. Not long after that, <laughs> Peter thinks he need, that the Lord needs some counseling and takes him aside and the Lord says, get behind me, Satan. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is transfigured and, and, and there is Moses and Elijah and I, I can't blame Peter. Peter says, oh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Who wants to leave that kind of an atmosphere? But he blew the whole thing. He said, let's build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. Whoa. He heard the voice of God clearly say, this is my son. You pay attention to him. Peter always seemed to have his mouth in action before he got his brain in gear. Jesus said to them, have you got any weapons? And they pull out three swords. Probably the fishermen in the group probably carried them. And he said, that's enough. They said, you will all be dispersed. And you leave me, you'll forsake me. What did Peter say? Not me, Lord. I'm here. I'll stay with you right to the point of death. But Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. It must have been the hardest day of his life when Jesus is under investigation and questioning by the authorities, turns and makes eye contact with Peter. And Peter goes out into the night. And the Bible says that he wept bitterly. Not a great history. But on the day of Pentecost, who is the one that stands forward? Out of all the 11 that were left, who's the one that's going to be the spokesman? It's Peter. Because they've been speaking in tongues and the dynamic power of God had moved in his life. And they were saying, these, we understand what they're saying. They're all praising God. They must be drunk, the whole bunch of them. And they began to make fun of them. Peter gets up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose because it's only the ninth hour. But this is what was prophesied in the, gospel, in the, the, the writings of Joel, that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Wow, what a dynamic message. Talk about a reversal. Talk about a change. And this is what the Holy Spirit can do when he baptizes us with power. 3,000 came to Jesus Christ that day. 3,000. And did you notice, if you read carefully, it says, and they were baptized. 3,000. What a change. Mm. What does the Holy Spirit do for us? He empowers us. Secondly, he guides us into all truth. 
The word says, but when the he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The word guide simply means to show you the way. I don't I, I suppose Doug, you've experienced it, and Gordon, you've experienced it, and anyone that's been a pastor and studied the word have found situations where you are simply reading. This is probably true of Larry, that suddenly something just seems to stand out. I get, get, oh, all the times I've read this Bible, I've never seen that before. I don't know how many times I would be searching for, Lord, what do you want said on Sunday to these wonderful people in the congregation? What would it be? And something would stand out. That's the Holy Spirit guiding into all truth. Because what, what is true today? Can you believe the television news stories? Can you believe what's in newspapers? But you can believe what's in the Word of God. And so they say, well, this is an old book. It's written by people years ago. This is up to date. In fact, if you studied this, you'll find this is way ahead of the times that we're in right now. And that was talks about the coming of Jesus. Mar marvelous. He'll, the Spirit will guide us into all truth. I have had times when out of nowhere a thought would come. There's no thoughts prior to it that link up to it. But just out of nowhere a thought would come and that would be the Spirit of God directing my attention to something in particular. And I'd say, thank you, Lord. How many times have I mislaid something and asked the Lord, Lord, I don't know where this went. I don't know what I did with it. I'm getting old and losing my memory. And uh, can you help me? And, and I would just turn. And there it is. It's the Holy Spirit. I lost a hearing aid one winter. This side, the blue one. And uh, I, I looked all over. I even called the stores that we have been in. If anyone turned in a hearing aid, no way. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do without the one for the time being. I'll have to do something later on. And it's winter. And one day I was, 10 days later, I was backing the car out of the driveway. We'd had a snowstorm in between. And I don't know what it was other than the Holy Spirit, but as I backed the car out and I'm onto the street ready to go, my head turned and I looked laying on the ground was that hearing aid. It had been under the snow 10 days. I picked it up and I looked, there was water in it. I popped the dead battery out and I put it there in the cup holder in the car. I took it into the house, I laid it on the table and I thought, well, we'll let it dry out, but I'm sure it's no good, it'll be fried and uh, I'll have to spend another 5,000 to get a pair of hearing aids. I put a battery in and you, would you know that thing worked? <laughs> 10 days of frozen in the snow and it still worked. What made my head turn and look at that? That's the Holy Spirit. He directs us. He will lead us. He will guide us into all truth. I thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 26, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. 
and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Spirit of God is going to teach us all things. There's two things that we need to do. Number one, we need to learn to follow. Over in Psalm 25, verse 9, the word says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Verse 10 of the same psalm says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. But if he's going to teach us, we've got to be listening. That's the only way we can get it, if we're listening for the Lord. Marvelous. Just follow the Lord. We went back to Newfoundland, to Belle Island, my wife and I, because that's where she came from. The island is three kilometers wide and nine kilometers long. So we thought, well, let's see if there's any relatives. So we got off the ferry and drove up the hill and started our way around the island. Saw a store. I went in the store. And I went and said to the person there, are there any Edmonds living around here? Do you know anybody by that name? No. Oh, okay. Drove on. Come around the other end of the island. There's a, a lady out working in a garden. I drove right in the driveway. They're very friendly people. And I, and I said, uh, do you, you wouldn't happen to know any Yetmans in the area at all? No, I'm afraid I don't. Oh. Went on, came to the, another place, and there's three guys putting new steps on the front of a new house. So I stopped and I said, any of you fellas know uh, Yetman? One says, oh yeah, I do. Oh, really? <laughs> My luck hadn't been so good up to this point. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, fine. Uh, wh where would we find him? Well, you got to be over on such and such a street. So just a minute, Jesus. I'll get in the car. Why don't you follow me? And so he backed out, and we followed him all the way over. Now, it, I think it was an uncle of my wife. He wasn't there, so we didn't make the visit. We also found that most of her relatives have moved to Ontario, so there weren't, weren't very many there. But I never forgot that. Very kind people, very friendly and willing to help, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's willing to lead us, but we have to listen to him, and we have to follow him and follow the direction that he gives us. The second thing that we got to do is keep our eye on the leader. You can't follow and look around all over the place because they may make a turn, and you'll, you'll miss that. So you just got to listen to the voice of the leader. We had a trailer in Lakeland, Florida for a number of years, and that's a nice, a nice city. I like it. The only problem is it is, as the title suggests, it's a city that is full of little lakes. And it's very easy to get your directions wrong. And so I would pop in trailer address into the GPS, and I'm on South Florida Boulevard. We'd done some shopping, and I pull out into traffic, and I'm thinking now, Interstate 4 goes right through the city. That's great. Right through the city. If I just keep going, I'll hit that. My GPS comes on and says, when possible, make a safe U-turn, 180 degrees. Oh, this thing's nuts. A little while later, 
when possible, make a safe U-turn, 180 degrees. It's a female voice, so I'm saying, come on, Attila, get this right. <laughs> Pretty soon, I'm so far down that highway that it's announcing the next town. I knew I was wrong because I was not listening to the voice. I had to go back. Another time, and this is humiliating. We were looking for the Mississauga Mall, and, and I got in the back country somewhere and got turned around. Usually I don't have too bad, much of a problem, but this time I did. I got turned around, didn't know where I was going, and, and uh, I looked at a map. I didn't have GPS then, and uh, I said, that's where I am. That's the intersection. Look, Dinah, that's the intersection. I know where we are. The problem is, I didn't know what corner I was on. <laughs> so I didn't know whether to go north, south, east, or west. And I had to do the thing that is most humiliating to male drivers. I had to go in and ask for directions. And all the women said, Amen. How many times can we get ourselves into a situation where we say, Lord, I don't know where to go. I don't know the direction. He says, don't worry, just follow me. Keep your eyes on me. I've got everything under control. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Marvelous. The third thing, and we really don't have time to go into this in detail, and that is in John 16 and 13 says, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. All the prophecies that we have of the future in the Word of God, some that have taken place, signs that have been fulfilled, others that are yet to be, are all inspired by the Spirit of God. And he will show you things to come. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the word says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with this loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Oh, hallelujah. He has everything under control. He inspires us to hold on because there's a better day coming. The last thing I would say in this message is found over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. Paul is speaking to his, I call him his young son in the gospel. It's not his literal son, but one that he's taken, taken under his wing, and he's been a mentor to him and helped him send him off to be a pastor. And now he says, stir up that gift. And that's what I'm praying would happen this morning, both to you and to me. And that is that there would be a moving of the Holy Spirit that would stir up that gift. Fan the flame, the NIV says. Stir up the gift, the King James says. I pastored in a church for two years in a, out in Quebec. The, 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 it was just a, 
a road and a road this way, and the church sat here. There was nothing around, no stores, nothing. It wasn't even a town. Bristol Ridge, Quebec. It wasn't even on the map. We didn't have electric electricity. We had to use coal oil lamps. I took my bride into that place. <laughs> I'm sure she thought, what am I getting into? Because we had to cook on a stove. You get the fire going. But I learned that if you stir up that fire, here's what happens. The ash drops to the bottom. The things that are blocking the fire from burning goes to the bottom of the pile. And now the wood is more exposed to fire and the wood is exposed to oxygen and it begins to burn up again with a new vigor and a new strength. And I pray that's what would happen to us this morning, that there would be a stirring in your heart that you would go from this place with a determination, I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to be filled, be very filled with the Holy Spirit by the power of the Lord as I seek him. I will learn what it is that he is not a mystical thing the Holy Spirit is God moving in my life I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to do great exploits for God I want to be able to be led and guided by the Spirit of God I want to be so inspired in the coming of the Lord Jesus that I would be watching for him that's my prayer Praise the name of the Lord. And we're going to celebrate the communion. I picked up a book one time and I, I found that the uh, writer had contacted another minister in the city and he got the secretary on the phone and the secretary said to him, oh, he can't be disturbed right now because he's celebrating the Holy Communion. And that struck him, and as I thought about it, I thought, this day, the sounding of the shofar, the ministry of the Word of God, the privilege of coming together for communion should be a time of celebration. Sometimes we think of all that Jesus had to suffer for us so that we might be forgiven. Let, let, let's bypass that this morning and realize, thank God, he came so that we can be forgiven. Let's put the thanksgiving into it. I would love to see this place just filled with all of you raising your hands and worshiping God and having a wonderful time in, together in the Lord as we partake of these events, of these emblems. Marvelous. We thank the Lord for this opportunity. Take that little, get the right page here. We take this, open it up. You'll find a little wafer. Take out that wafer. And we received the words of Paul. For he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And what I do is I just break that little wafer, just with my thumb and between my fingers, so that it's broken. And we'll partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you this morning, Lord, that it is by your stripes we are healed. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. But we also thank you for the way that you touch us bodily. How many here need a physical touch from the Lord? Just slip your hand up right now. Yes? All the, yes? Lord, look at these hands that are raised. You know what the problem is. You have the solution. Sometimes even when man says nothing more can be done, you're still in action. And I pray that you would just reach out and touch these lives right now, that they would be healed by the power of God. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now take the little cup here and open the second part up. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. His shed blood, washed in the blood, in the cleansing blood of the Lamb. By faith we receive this, acknowledging that this is what Jesus has done for us. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have. That we can, like Isaiah says, come together and reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as wool. Even the red like crimson, they'll be like snow. You have changed our lives when we could not change ourselves. There isn't a program available through any counseling that could ever Change us the way you changed us. And Lord, we're looking forward to that day when we will have that final change and be in your presence. Because your word says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he's coming again. The music team is coming back with us. I've, I've asked in celebration if we could sing when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. What a way to finish the service. I don't know if we'll have next Sunday. Our next meeting might be over there. Maybe there's a special place where we can, all the Northview whites can gather. I, I don't know. But we'll be with the Lord. We'll be with one another. We'll be able to talk to one another, rejoice with one another. What a day that will be when the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. And then after we've sung it, I'm going to conclude with a prayer. And the altar is open for anyone that wants prayer. I'll be here. The prayer team will be here. And we'll be glad to spend time with you. If you want to just come forward and worship, feel free to do that. Just let's open our hearts to the Lord and receive. Let's stand together as we say it, all right?
blessing this day in your hand upon us lord we just go from this presence recharged by the power of god may we be your servants in the place you want us to be following our leader the holy spirit listening to his voice so that we might work the works of god grant us your blessing your healing touch the reunion of our souls with yours as we recommit ourselves to you Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everyone.